Welcome, everyone, to Creating a Family. Talk about adoption and infertility. Today, our topic is going to be creating an effective adoptive parent profile. Um, This is a topic near and dear to the hearts of anyone trying to adopt a baby in the United States. I think you're really going to enjoy it. I'm Dawn Davenport. I'm the director of Creating a Family. We are the national adoption and infertility education and support nonprofit, and you can find us online at creatingafamily.org. One of the things we do at Creating a Family is provide education, and we have an entire center dedicated to adoptive parent education. It's called Adopted for Parents. You can find it by going to our website, creatingafamily.org, hover over the word online courses, and then click on Adopt Ed for Parents. Um, We have 100 some odd, I'm not even sure the exact number, courses uh, relevant to every topic you could possibly imagine in adoption. I really mean that. We have When you have 100, come on, let's think about it. It's going to be easy to cover uh, just about every topic. We cover uh, domestic infant adoption topics. We cover international and foster care topics. Uh, and I think the, the courses are one hour. They're audio interviews with experts, and you get a certificate of completion at the end after passing a 10-question quiz. You don't have to take the quiz and get the certificate of completion if you don't need it, which is often the case with post-adoption. But pre-adoption, if your agency requires education, please go to Adopt Ed for Parents and let your agency know about it. Uh, The Creating a Family radio show is underwritten by our corporate sponsor, Faring Pharmaceutical. They have recently launched My Fertility Navigator, which is a service which offers free one-on-one support for women who are struggling to get pregnant and are unsure of where they should go and how to begin the next step. Once enrolled in My Fertility Navigator, women will receive a personalized guidance from a live, dedicated fertility navigator who can help provide information about Infertility and fertility, including things such as letting them know where a nearby fertility center is, giving them information on financial resources, discussing some of the treatment options and things like that. You can get more information about My Fertility Navigator, and remember, it is free to you. Uh, You can go to their website, myfertilitynav.com slash caf. The last part, slash CAF, is really important because it lets them know that you found out about them through us. This show, as well as all the resources provided by Creating a Family, could not happen without the generous support from our sponsors who believe in our mission of providing unbiased education and support to those struggling to create a family. We have different levels of sponsorship, but the highest level is considered a gold sponsor. And some of our wonderful gold sponsors include Children's House International. They are a nonprofit Hague-accredited international adoption agency with programs in 13 countries. They provide full service, including home studies in the states of Florida, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Texas, Utah, and Washington State. And they also place children with any U.S.-approved family worldwide. And we have Children's Connections. They are an adoption agency providing services for domestic infant adoption and embryo donation and adoption throughout the U.S. They also provide home studies and post-adoption support support to families in Texas. Today, we are going to be talking about creating an effective parent profile, adoptive parent profile. As a part of domestic adoption, most agencies and attorneys require that parents create called a portfolio or a profile, uh, which is then it's intended to show all about them and, and highlight them as a family. And it is shown to expectant parents who may be considering adoption. Um, that puts a lot of pressure on the adoptive parents to create an effective profile, one that will be attractive uh, to uh, uh, expectant parents. We're going to be talking today with Madeline Melcher. She is an adoptee, a mom of three through adoption, and the owner of Journey to You, an adoption profile design company. And most important, she's the author of a great book called How to Create a Successful Adoption Profile, Easy Steps to Help You Produce the Best Adoption Profile, and Prospective Birth Parent Letter. Long title, very good book. Uh, and so Madeline will be with us. We also have Aki Parker. She is a marketing and design professional who has worked for many years uh, with adoptive families on creating 
uh, birth parent letters and online uh, prospective adoptive parent profiles. So this is a re-airing of a show we did three years ago. The information is just as relevant, if not more so, um, for adoptive parents. So we are very happy to bring it to you again. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome, McKee and Madeline, to uh, Creating a Family. Thank, Thank you, Don. Thank you. It's, uh, you're such a great resource. I'm just uh, so pleased to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, glad to be here. Let's keep our fingers crossed for <laughs> the technology <laughs> gurus to keep up their work. Uh, yeah, there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts in today's show, and it turns out I don't like the anxiety associated with all this. <laughs> it's been driving me nuts. Anyway, I'm going to start with a very basic question because a lot of people will be turning to this show when they're first beginning to consider uh, adoption and then there are adoption options. What type of, of adoption? Uh, uh, adoption uh, portfolios, are, it's also known as adoption profiles, um, are, are primarily used with domestic adoption in the United States. But let's start with a, and not with international adoption. Um, so let's start with a, a real simple profile and an understanding of what we mean by a an adoption profile or an adoption portfolio. Madeline, you wrote the book on it, literally and figuratively. So, uh, so tell us just kind of basic, just a real, uh, a real basic understanding of what that is. Okay, thanks, Don. Um, I I would say it it is something your agency or your adoption attorney is going to use to. Um, show to an expectant parent who is considering an adoption plan, and it's going to be a snapshot of your life and what you have to offer to um, to a child that you would like to bring into it. So um, you're not directing to a specific audience. It's about you. I think that's one of the biggest mistakes people make. So um, it's really about you and what you have to offer a child, what your level of openness may be, um, it will include many different factors about you, but that's what it is. It's about you, and it's to be directed to an expectant parent considering an adoption plan. And then it will be shown shown to them, sometimes four or more at a time, um, and um, they may narrow down people they'd like to speak to further. Um, we were chosen directly from ours without any further contact with the expectant parents, um, you know, everybody's story is a little bit different, but that's how most stories in uh, domestic adoption through an agency yeah. or attorney begin. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we realize, by the way, everyone, how intimidating this sounds. Uh, but to have no fear, that is really what today's show is all about. It is less intimidating when you, I'm not saying it's not still intimidating, but it is less intimidating when you actually begin. So, you know, um, Aki, let me ask you a question. In, in the olden mm-hmm. days, you know, back in the day, uh, people did not, this is not the method that people used. Uh, for uh, people didn't adoptive parents did not have to prepare these. What's changed, and why are why are parents now required to prepare them when, you know, not even all that long ago uh, uh, they were not required to. Um, mainly now, especially with the internet and technology and things are changing, um, it's really more of, of the sense of that marketing yourself. Really, you are marketing yourself um, because it is about you and it's a form of um, reaching out. And I think it's just technology has changed as far as um, because it did used to be printed. Um, it used to be um, only print, and um, sometimes it would be, if you did have an online presence, it would be a, maybe a personal website um, that you developed that way. Um, and so I think really it's just the, the change with technology and things have developed. And also, um, as far as um, our company um, and agency, we, um, you know, get feedback directly from um, birth parents and just letting us know things that maybe they may be considering, um, you know, when they're trying to connect with potential families that way. So I think that's really an important aspect as well that has that has formed the development of where we are now. It comes to Don, Madeline, may, may I interject on that question? Yeah, please. Um, 
I wanted to add, I also think the level of openness that has come to be in adoption has made a difference in the prevalence of adoption portfolios or profiles. I think there is a much more direct level of contact, even if there isn't continued contact um, after the child is born or throughout the child's life, there's a much greater um, level of understanding and wanting to truly feel how the child will be living um, than there once was. Um, And I find that a lot of times these things end up provoking a greater openness in adoption um, because they do get to know each other a little better and realize, hey, this isn't as scary as I thought it was to continue a relationship with the birth family or adoptive family. Mm-hmm. I think you're right, and I think that for some people, they're thinking way far back when, in fact, it was more the agency that was matching the family and the birth mom. But that's no longer the case for the vast majority of domestic uh, infant adoptions in the U.S. It is the expectant mom or the expected parents who select the adoptive family. So the the need for uh, we the the profile or the portfolio is. A, is is a thing that, that can be given to them to help them make the selection. So I think that sometimes when people say it didn't used to be that way, they're, they're thinking back, hearkening way back to the day when it was, in fact, the agency. Um, we, we got a, a question from Luella. It's kind of one of those questions I always dread when somebody asks kind of that question that's just it's so broad. Uh, so, uh, But I'll, I'll read it. I, I, I emailed her back and told her that was a $64 million question that she was asking. She said, what are birth mothers looking for? Um, let me, let me, but I want to use this. I, obviously, that's it, it's too general. Uh, well, the, the, the entire, we will definitely ask that specific question a little later. But, but I wanted to use that uh, question as kind of a jumping off place to, to talk about uh, language and, and words that we use. Uh, and this may be for some of you who are listening, seeming uh, seemingly a little picky. But in fact, when a a woman is pregnant, she's not a birth mother yet. She is she is considering mm-hmm. adoption. But in every state in the United States, she cannot relinquish her parental rights until after birth. So in fact, when she is uh, when she is pregnant, she's an expectant mom, expectant mother. And, and so you might be saying, okay, potato, potato. Uh, but in fact, it does. It, it, it's important, uh, and I'm really not playing word police here, but I do think it's important for us to, to give some thought to that because it does change our, our attitude ever so slightly, and, and that's important. Uh, it's, it's both a, an, an issue of respect. She is a mother. She will always be a mother. But in this case, she is, is the mother, and and she is considering making an adoption plan, and she has the right, and many people do, many women do, change their mind. So I, I, I say that, and, and the reason I bring that up is, is again, just to kind of, uh, this will be a show that a lot of people are looking to at the beginning, and I do want them to at least hear that so they won't be surprised if they see it or hear it at other places. The other reason I wanted to bring it up is we had quite a discussion uh, a couple of weeks ago, I guess it was, on the Creating a Family Facebook group. That's the closed support group we have on. It's it's a large group, about 4,000 now. It's a really supportive and a great place, and I I strongly encourage everybody to come on over there and uh, just uh, type in the words Creating a Family in the Facebook search box at the very top. Uh, The group and the page, Creating a Family Facebook page, will pop up. You can like the page. But then I, but then please go further and actually open the group. You have to click join. We have to admit you, uh, it, because it is a closed group, which means that what you post there is not uh, shown outside of the group. But uh, we had quite a discussion about the term uh, "dear birth mother" letter, and and I I thought it would be interesting to hear uh, both of your perspectives on that. It it used to be, and actually in some places it still is. Uh, refer this this portfolio, the adoptive parent portfolio, or the adoptive parent profile, is also referred to as a dear uh, birth mother letter, or sometimes a dear birth parent letter. Um, and there were people on the group who were saying that they felt like that that was being disrespectful, and that given that we now are trying to you know uh, uh, refer to uh, women who are pregnant as, as, as an expectant mom, not as a birth mother for fear of being unduly coercive. Uh, anyway, it was a great discussion, and I thought they had some uh, some really valid points. 
And uh, Aki, I thought I'd ask your opinion first and then Madeline. Um, are, do you see a movement away from calling the Dear Birth Mother, uh, the portfolio or the profile, calling it, calling it a Dear Birth Mother letter for, these, for this reason? Or is that uh, uh, not so much universal? Um, I do think that it is something um, that people have been um, considering, um, especially something that we've um, discussed as far as that, because sometimes, like you were saying, it's, you know, it's always, it can be um, a misconception. You don't want, you know, you don't want um, it to be approached or mis- misconstrued by a potential birth parent because, of course, they're considering, um, you know, adoption at that time. So I think definitely it is something um to consider um, as far as that goes. Madeline, what are you seeing? Um, in um, your, uh, well, first of all, let me say, please, I have this in the book. I don't let my clients do it. Please never write Dear Birth Mother in your letter, in your profile. Don't. Um, and it, one, it they're not a birth mother yet, so it's just, you're just wrong right. when you write that. Um, two, they're just another person. They're another person that you're meeting, that you're introducing yourself to, that you're trying to um, share your life and what you have to offer with. So, hello is great. They're another person. And, yes, they are an expectant mother, and they very well may change their mind Um at the last hour, you you just you don't know, and that is their prerogative. That is their child, and you also have to be cognizant of that when you're writing your profile. It's her child, um, so you really have to keep these things in mind. And that is that may be the only thing right now that she has of her own, or the own the only bit of. Um, power she feels is in her very own decisions, depending on the situation she's in. So to start calling her a birth mother before she is one or has fully decided to be one, um, really, not only could it be deemed as coercive, but um, it really takes away from her and her choice. Okay. All righty. Well, good. I, I just kind of wanted to get that out there because people will also see it referred to. You know, it's funny, it, it, Creating a Family is the National Adoption Education Organization, and so we're producing resources. We want people. We've got the largest presence online in the social networks in this area, and we're producing resources all the time for uh, people to utilize, and it's always hard for us because we have to anticipate what people are going to be using to search online. That's where people are getting their information. And it's in particular, it is problematic with me because people use the term birth mom more often or birth mother uh, more often than expectant parent. And uh, it's been, we debate it all the time. Uh, What we try to do is include both terms, so when people search, it will pop up, and we try to include a brief lesson about uh, about terminology. Uh, but it's uh, you know it we it's but on the other hand, if we don't include language that people are using when they search, then they they aren't finding the resources, and ultimately that's our goal. So it's it's something that we think True. about a lot and and struggle with a lot on uh, the best way to do it. Well, Don, I also wanted to say is that, uh, this is Madeline, is that so many times I I run into some agencies that are still requiring that people write Dear Birth Mother, that are Mm -hmm. still themselves calling it Dear Birth Mother letter. So people don't know any better. Then I understand what you're running into with having to do the search terms. That's why prospective birth parent letter is in the title of my book is because that's what people are looking for. That's what they still think it is um and so you want them to be able to find the resources so that they know um actually what they should be doing so exactly um, and, and, and we often err on the side of exactly doing what you say we include the word perspective uh and and you know but that yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a, uh, it's a, yeah, so I know, I hear exactly what you're saying, and yet there's still people who will take offense to us doing it that way. You know, we're just doing the best we can. Uh, Madeline, uh, let's start. If you were going to do, say, a, a, in, 
that there's a table of contents for these. So, guys, I'm not suggesting that this, we actually would put a table of contents. But what I would like for you to do is tell us the key components that will be in uh, this portfolio. Kind of like if you were creating a table of contents, what would be in this portfolio? And we're going to go into detail uh, on the different parts. But first, tell us what the parts are, Madeline. Um, I think it varies just a tad depending on your specific life um, because some people, different things are a little more important to than others, but there will be general things. Um, you'll have your cover. That's like your smiling handshake. Um, and occasionally some agencies will require that there be a short letter on the cover page rather than a letter page itself. But either way, I hate to see people skip the letter, um, which occasionally people want to. Don't skip the letter. Um, so you'll have the letter. Then you'll have sections about you and if you have a partner, things about the strengths in your relationship. Um, if you have a child in the home, if you have adoption in the family, those will be parts of your profile. Um, a section about your home and your uh, the area around you, perhaps you'll include your family and friends. Um, you want to show you have that support around you. Um, I like to see a closing page. Some people just end, boom, like with their pet. Please don't end with your pet. Um, <laughs> please come full circle. And just like you said hello, you're going to say, you know, thanks for talking to me and end with the things that you felt were most important that you wanted them to leave your profile with. Um, or perhaps your promises that you really have to be prepared to keep. Um, so those elements will definitely fall in line. Those are definitely things that expectant mothers are going to be looking for answers to. Do you have the support? Do you have a home that has room and a warm, cozy place? Maybe they want to see a baseball field or a park near your house. You know, those kinds of things. They want to see what kind of person you are, what kind of interests you have, what will be a part of the child's daily life. So what is actually the details of it really depends on what your life is. But those are kind of the basics that you'll include um, within your profile, whether it's full pages dedicated to those things or just sections. It will depend on your guidelines. How long should, in, uh, in total, how many pages uh, should a, uh, a portfolio, adoptive parent portfolio be? That's a tough question because it really depends on who you asked on. Um, uh -huh. it, it varies so much um, agency by agency. Um, Aki, you at IAC, do you all mm -hmm. do four pages? Right. Um, I was about um, four pages, and I would I would say probably we say about seven hundred to nine hundred fifty words max, just because um, so that it's not too text heavy overall. Um, and also, um, in addition to the things um, you had, Madeline, um, some other great um, aspects um, as a part of a parent profile are those um, supporting photos and just having those um, strong visuals to really support um, the text um, overall. Um, and, and basically really just it's possible showing birth, uh, potential birth parents um, how great you would be with children and including children in your supporting photos if possible um, to really add those strong visual aspects um, right. to profiles. John, in terms of the length, it's Madeline again, um, I mm -hmm. sometimes have portfolios that are 20 pages long and we upload the um, original designs to uh, Shutterfly, and they make beautiful um, hard or soft-bound books out of them. It just um, it really depends on the agency or attorney as to how much flexibility, or sometimes they want you to have a book, and that's fine, and some don't. Some just want you to have a saddle-stitch printed thing that can easily be sent with ten others to an expectant mother across the country. It really you really need to be clear on the guidelines that you're given. Um and you need to say to them, if they say they don't have many guidelines, say, Will you be as likely to send mine if it's a book or if it's heavier or if it's spiral bound instead of just a folded saddle stitch? Because you want to go out every time you can. 
Um, okay, let me let me stop you here and let me read a question from Brenna. Well, I'll just summarize the question. She's asking a question about exactly this. The the uh, the specific format that she has seen uh, book formats where it is done. She's calling it professionally, but in fact, it, 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 there are a lot of services. Shutterfly, other uh, Snapfish, a lot of uh, a lot of services will will turn things into a book. And she's asking about the advantages versus disadvantages of that. Her concern, which you're summarizing, um, is uh, that if if it is not in the same format as others, that uh, agencies would be less likely to send it out. Uh, that, or she's wondering uh, that, and she's weighing the uh, relative advantages of that. Uh, a key as uh, as somebody with an agency, um, you said that, you, that and, and I know that there are agencies that are very specific as to which it sounds like uh, uh, that uh, you got that uh, uh, that you got independent adoption center. You guys are uh, specific. Would you prohibit? Uh, uh, do you prohibit families from submitting books? And if so, what kind of in general your idea as to um, why keeping it short might um, definitely for us, um, we do, um, we definitely do um, have a word limit um, as far as um, letters um, when it comes to the profiles and then as well as letters because we do um, feel like that um, it being um, not necessarily short but on the shorter side just because um, sometimes in situations as far as our agencies go, um, depending on what um, potential um, birth parents are looking for, um, they may have um, more people and letters to review or profiles to review. So depending on um, families, they may have more um, families to review information. So that can, I guess, in, in addition to some things that they're considering as far as adoption goes, we, we don't want to make a birth parent, a potential birth parent feel overwhelmed in any way with, you know, too much information, but still at the same time um, hitting those key points so that um, – a birth parent can feel that they're able to learn the things that they would want to learn about families. So that's our take on it as far as it being longer. I've heard from some agencies that they want all the uh, portfolios uh, to be very similar. I mean, not not in content, but in in look. Uh, and their their theory on that is that they don't that they would like uh, for there not to be. A, uh, a expectant uh, couple or, or parents to be overly swayed by a fancy exterior, and they felt like that if they keep the portfolio similar, it, it helps anyone focus on. And it's obviously fairly overwhelming what you're doing, uh, uh, what the uh, mom and the dad are doing at that point. Um, uh, right. So anyway, I, Madeline, have you heard that from uh, from your experience as as an independent? Um, do you see that most agencies prefer that there be set guideline limits or are most adoption agencies or adoption attorneys pretty open to whatever the parents, the uh, prospective adoptive parents want? I would say it's pretty close to half and half. Um, I would say about half of the clients that I've worked with come with um, some pretty specific guidelines, maybe a fourth of them come with very stringent multiple-page guidelines, which is part of what makes this very overwhelming for people. Because they look at that and go, I already didn't know how to do it. <laughs> You're telling me I have to do it exactly like this, but I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so then I would say the other half, um, they really just say, go with it. Or they might just say, you know, don't let it go over nine or ten pages. And so people are just kind of, then they're kind of left with, well, I have no idea what's supposed to go in this, and you didn't give me any direction. So it's really both ends of the spectrum are leave people feeling very um, frustrated. And I think that's part of the thing is um, I know the portfolios I do um, are visually very, um, nice to look at, and I know they include what they're supposed to. And what I what had always bothered me was that I do want there to be a level playing field. If people can't afford to hire me, or if people don't know what they're doing, which 
a lot don't know what just because they want to adopt doesn't mean they know. Most of us don't know what we're doing. Right. So that's what led me to um, work with JKP and writing my um, my book was to to help kind of level the playing field a little bit for those that just didn't have any idea and to also kind of open their eyes to some of the things about um, expectant parents and those who will ultimately will become birth mothers. And um, I got to work with birth mom buds and um, a little bit on that. And so I feel like those kinds of things are very important to know from the very beginning. And people Mm -hmm. just, you know, they just don't know. They want to do right. They just don't know. And so you do want it to be fair. You don't want just the people who have the prettiest profiles to well, get. Yes. But I also think that uh, from my uh, discussions with uh, women and couples who are making this decision, they're also they're looking beyond just the, 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 pretty, uh, the pretty exterior as right. well, I think. Let me uh, read a specific question we have from Ryan. He says, can you have too many pictures, and are there specific types of pictures to avoid or to make sure you include? A key, let's talk some about photos. Uh, What makes a good photo? What should we avoid, and what should we include? Um, Okay, definitely for photos. That's a great question. Um, Basically, for photos, they they fall into they can fall into two categories. Usually, you have a main photo on your parent profile, and then of course those supporting photos we were um, discussing earlier. So basically, um, as far as the main photo, what goes into that is for couples or anyone. Basically, that's going to be that that front photo that everyone you know a potential birth parent would see first. So definitely you want to have warm, inviting smile and be happy and just really convey that warm emotion to potential birth parents. Um, and definitely for couples, you want to have um, good um, body language and just look really connected to each other because um, definitely these true emotions that you are feeling for each other or for being happy, they'll definitely be conveyed in that photo. So definitely um, with supporting photos, um, it's great to include, definitely want to include photos um, with children if possible. Um, and really just take that opportunity. We always say and stress um, it's possible to use um, candid photos versus a lot of um, static post photos because overall that can kind of make your profile seem static if you have too many post photos um, versus candid shots um, where you're, you know, it really in the moment of doing something. And definitely with photos, um, it's great to also, we call them action shots, um, which means um, you don't have to be flying through the air on skis, but that just means basically you're doing an activity with children or showing something like baking cookies or, you know, just things that you really imagine and envision yourself doing with your child um, and then really showing that to a potential birth parent. Um, So definitely those are probably the strongest um, types of photos that you would want to include in your profile overall. Madeline, are there any specific photos we would suggest that people should avoid? Well, of course, I think any where there's drinking or smoking or anything like that involved. You know, I don't think all expectant parents are teetotalers, but it just does not does not need to be a part of your profile. Crop it out. Find another picture. Um, I do think in terms of the question, can there be too many pictures? I think when the pictures become too small on the page, small enough that you can't appreciate the content of the picture itself, because you've put so many thing, other things on the page, whether it be too much text, which is also a mistake, or too many other pictures, then you have too many. They need to be large enough that someone can really look right at them without squinting, without pulling the page closer to them, without wondering, mm-hmm. um, to be able to take the picture in and to be able to know that it's you. Don't make it you like across two fields at a pond. We want to be able to see you, you know, you there fishing and make your captions good. Um, the, the captions can be as important as the picture because you can include what you want to offer to a child within that caption. Always remember that's the main point of this. And don't just say, we love to go to the beach. You're looking forward to adding to your 
seashell collection with a little one and a beach pail. You're looking forward to building those sandcastles as a family. Those are the pictures that you're creating with your captions and with your pictures. Speaking of beach shots, uh, what is uh, each of your opinions on bathing suit pictures uh, uh, for um, uh, adoptive parents? Uh, Madeline, you want to start with that, Nikki? Uh, you can chime in a yay or a nay. Okay. <laughs> oh golly. Um, you know, I have I have seen them. I have um seen them on online profiles. I've seen them in people's printed profiles. Uh I think that some are less appropriate than others. Me personally, I don't even want to try on a bathing suit. I'm not gonna <laughs> like if I was adopting again I would not have one in my profile. But, um, you know, I think there are some where it can be appropriate. If you have a child, and that's exactly what you're doing, is sitting in the sand, building a sandcastle with your child, and you have on a mom-ish bathing suit, that's fine. But just like any other picture, any other clothing you're going to be wearing in the pictures in your profile, let's use our better judgment in what is appropriate um, and what is not for public consumption. Keep in mind, these are people you're just meeting for the first time. Right. So um, I think that, that uh, if you go into it with that idea, while you do want to show your life and be open and honest, and I really feel like the profiles where people are really themselves and put themselves out there um, make the most headway. But Putting yourself out there takes on a whole different meaning depending on the bathing suit you're wearing. So, um, yeah, I think if just use your better judgment. Be, you know, if it's, I think the bottom line, I think what I'm hearing you guys say, if it's, I liked how you said a mom-ish because yeah. it occurs to me that that's the only bathing suit I own. Uh, and my body is definitely a mom-ish looking body. So, I, uh, yeah, so that would work fine. But, um, you know, a, a skimpy you know, bikini shot, you know, it's, because uh, it, you've got to realize the woman who's looking at this is, you know, probably five, six, seven, eight months pregnant. You know, I don't know. It just seems that may not be your, your mm -hmm. best bet. We have a question from Zoe asking about pictures that show tattoos. Um, and she was kind of vague, so I'm, I'm not sure what she means, but I think what, uh, Zoe, what Zoe's question is, uh, should she... Uh, uh, if, if she did say where her tattoo was, but let's assume it's in the visible part of her body, and uh, you know she's not—it's not a close-up of the tattoo, but it's a picture of her, you know, with her arm, and and and, and it's got a tattoo on it. Um, from your experience, is that something not that you're trying to uh, hide or not hide? If you have a tattoo, should you just be showing it, uh, or should you look to take a picture from the other side, at least for when you're only going to have what ten pictures and something like that that you don't necessarily want to highlight that? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? A key start, and then Madeline, I'll, uh, I'll let you finish up on that one. Okay, um, that's a, another great question. Um, I definitely um, feel that um, as far as it goes with tattoos and photos, um, definitely if that is who you are, um, I don't think this should be something that you should try to obscure um, in photos because it definitely um, that kind of connects with the question that you mentioned when we first um, began um, about what are birth mothers, potential birth parents, looking for. Um, and definitely it could be a birth parent, a potential birth parent that is looking, you know, maybe that may be something that she connects with or maybe that's something that, means more to her versus another birth parent who could be completely mm -hmm. different and not connect with that at all. So I think, and definitely, of course, remember, like, if she chooses you and she says, okay, this is who we want, and then she meets you and she's like, that's not who I saw in the pictures or that's not what, right. then she may kind of be left out feeling like, well, I, I don't feel like they were completely honest. So I think that goes into definitely being who you are when it comes to text and photos and really just being who you are. In photos. Anything different to add, Madam? Well, I do think, again, it goes back to content. Um, let's think about what your tattoo is as well. Um, is it something appropriate that you want to share on your first meeting with someone? I have seen perfectly fine tattoos. I've seen some very inappropriate tattoos. It just, um, I'm not saying you need to 
hide yourself or anything else, if you really feel that's a part of your identity and you're going to let that shine, um, or if you think that maybe that's something you could hold off on until you speak further with um, with someone. My husband made a very early in life poor choice of a really interesting tattoo on his arm um, that his mother, Nora, I was particularly proud of. But um, it's nothing that, you know, the PTO couldn't see. But I felt a little bit apprehensive about it being in our first um, letter and then our other two profiles. But I went ahead and put it in. It was a darling picture of him deep sea fishing, and you could see it on his arm. And I have to tell you, as quickly as our children came, I don't think it held us back one bit. Um, I don't think it showed him in a different light than he is as a person. So I think that's really a person by person choice um if that's something you want to do but again if it's yeah, so vain, can, please don't include it well you know but here's the thing if you've got a profane tattoo that's highly visible and is not easily hidden then that says something i mean that may be that is who you are i mean you made a choice mm-hmm. of course as you that's, point out sometimes true. yeah you know that that in a way you're trying to show who you are and it's not fair to an expectant woman to to you know to hide who you are. Uh, although I, I hear what you're saying, sometimes there are uh, uh, you know uh, mistaken tattoo things that that either when you're sober or when you are older um, you regret and wish that you had had not done. All right, so I think we've covered. Uh, we're, we're looking for pictures, and I'm really glad. Uh, I think it was Madeline you mentioned the captions. It does seem that captions are a great place for you to show a little bit of your personality, a little bit of a, you know, a, a, a wink or a, a, you know, something that you know that you can. Uh, uh, and by your picture selection too, you can show your personality, which ultimately is what you're wanting to do. You're wanting to give um, this mom an idea of of who you are and who her chi- who who will be the potential parent to her child. So. All right, here is a question uh, from Sarah Ann. She says, we are not a religious family. We've been advised to hide this in our profile by by just not addressing it. How should religion be addressed? And I would uh, assume that uh, Sarah Sarah Ann's question is because she is not a religious person and they're not a religious family, but I would assume that the the opposite could be the case as well, that a very religious family uh, would be having a question as well. So I think the general question, um, and Madeline, if you'd start with this, how do you suggest religion be addressed in the uh, uh, adoptive parent portfolio? I think if it's important to you, then you make it a part of it. You don't need to hide it under a bushel. You, If it's a part of your life, my faith is a part of my life. It went in all of our profiles and our letter um, because it's how I would raise my children. It's how I you know, live my life. It's the kind of mother I wanted to be. Um, it was the way my mother was and what I planned on following. So it, um, it was a part of me. So, um, and my life, I felt it was important to be included. Um, what about it, though, in Sarah Ann's case, where the issue is they are not a religious family? Then I feel they just don't address it. And if it is truly important to an expectant mother, odds are she'll ask. Uh, she'll ask about it. There are some expectant mothers that very clearly want adoptive parents of a. Uh, specific um, denomination or um, want to know that a child will attend church or some are just very spiritual because they're human beings. They're all different, just like we are. And so we're going to all be different too. So there will be someone for us, but you have to be who you are. You can't be something different. You can't, um, you know, make up who you are. That's not a part of your profile. So if that's not a part of your life, it's not a part of your profile. And that's fine. It doesn't have to be. But you do have to be honest if it comes up. If it is important to an expectant parent, you do always have to be honest. Mm -hmm. 
I also had something to add as well. Um, in addition to that, um, I, I totally agree with that. Um, this is the key. Um, and definitely, um, I think as far as it goes on the agency end of things as well, um, sometimes, um, we, of course, when you have as, as far as our agency, you know, you would you would disclose to us um, as your your preferences as far as what your religion is, and then also. Um, we allow um, birth parents as well, potential birth parents, to choose um, as far as what type of family they want um, as well if that's something that's important to them. And then definitely, like you said, um, Madeline, um, it's, it's, if that's a part of you, then definitely um, discuss that um, in your letter. But if it's not, um, then definitely, of course, focus on those other things. But I think that's, I think those were good points as well. I have never uh, yeah. seen it hurt anyone. Either way, I've mm-hmm. never I've right. had clients included, clients not included. I've never oh, yeah. seen it, it really hurt anyone, except for in the case of when it was narrowed down to two couples and the expectant parent wanted a specific denomination. That's not something you can suddenly change or control for, you know, the purpose of your no, profile or the purpose well, of no, adopting a child. Yeah. So, change for the you know the the period of time so you get selected then the odds of you maintaining and, and continuing in that faith are not great but that's that's deceptive and that's uh, you know and that's there are there are definitely birth mothers who are looking for religious families but there are also definitely birth moms mm-hmm. in this case I'm using the wrong terminology expectant moms who are uh who who are not who would prefer that their child not be raised in a you know particularly heavily religious family I, I I'm sure there are some uh, expected women who are who might even prefer no religion. I haven't really seen that too much, but I've definitely seen some that have mentioned some women who have mentioned that they you know, didn't want you know too much religion or didn't want it crammed down their kids' throat or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, there's something for everybody. All right, here's a question from Kara. She says, "My husband is in a wheelchair. How would your guest suggest we handle this?" And and I'd like to actually expand Kara's question to how to handle health issues in general. In this case, they've got a visible one, which is, you know, her husband is in a wheelchair. Uh, but uh, And there are other visible uh, uh, handicaps, but, there's, uh, but there are a lot of health issues that are not visible through pictures. So um, let's start with you, Aki. How would you suggest, how do you suggest that... Uh, adoptive parents deal with both the obvious, in this case, a wheelchair issue, and the uh, not so obvious, which might be health issues that are more, uh, less, not visible, uh, a former cancer diagnosis or, uh, uh, I don't know, think of um, I think Okay, I'm sorry. I think it cut out a little bit, but I, I heard your question. Um, I think that as far as it goes um, with any type of physical, possible disabilities, um, I think it's definitely important to, it just goes back to everything we're discussing when it comes to text and photos, just being honest with potential birth parents um, and, and talking about it um, in your letter and your text and also displaying your photos. And really when it comes to the, the visuals, the type of things that, you you are doing as far as what type of photos you include, just really um, you know show a potential birth parents that okay you know even though you know I'm I'm I may have a disability in this sense I will still be a great parent and that is what I think comes down to and just being honest with potential birth parents and then as well it's I think when it comes to text and discussing that um, I don't think that it would have to be something that you would you know, continually discussed throughout the letter, I think that it's something that should be mentioned because it's important to be honest. But at the same time, you know, I don't think that should be the main focal point. It doesn't have to be. Um, And then also as well when it comes to if it may be a disability or a sickness or illness, um, I think it's just important to focus on the aspects of how you'll be as a potential um as a potential parent and um really being honest with birth parents in that sense and you know focusing on the things that you look forward to doing in the future um with your child and really just being honest with um birth parents and then I think definitely um you know 
just being honest in that sense, um, all the way around, whether it's a physical disability or it's just an illness, um, I think it's just important to totally just be honest and definitely don't make it the you don't have to make it the main focus. Just be honest, and it'll convey in your text and in your photos as well. Madeline, any thoughts on that? Health and news in uh, general or physical? Um, I, I do agree with being honest. I think some of the stuff, though, is is not going to come into play in your profile um, as there's some crossover between your home study, which is much more in-depth than we'll go into more physical and psychological things. Um, but I do think when you have a more overt illness or a physical disability or something like that, the important thing always in your profile, whether you have a disability or not, is you're showing what you can do, what you will do, your strengths, what you're, the person that you are. So you are not defined by your disability. You are smart, you're, you enjoy X, Y, Z, you can have a little one hop up in your lap and read a book, you can play basketball, you can, you know, there's a million things you can do. So I think, as with anything else, don't dwell on what you can't do, don't dwell on the negatives, you need to stay in the positive, because you want to have a child as a part of your life, if that's going to be all surrounded in negative? No, of course not. You have all of these other things to offer. So that's what you dwell on. You dwell on your strengths as a couple for getting through whatever illness or or issue um, has gone on. That's what you do because that's who you are. Gosh, let me take a moment right now to thank a few more of our gold sponsors and to remind you that it is through their generous support that we can bring you this show and, and quite frankly, all the resources we provide at Creating a Family. We have Nightlight Christian Adoptions. They have offices in California, Colorado, and South Carolina, and adoption programs, the World Health Domestic Infant Program, and their Snowflakes Embryo Donation Embryo Adoption Program. We have children's training, adoption, embryo donation, home studies, as well as post adoption for families throughout the U.S. Services, they provide post adoption support to adoptees, adoptive parents, and birth parents through, branch, through, through their branch offices as well as their adoption professionals and over the phone. 8 Eastern Time, uh, and that's uh, uh, for all members of the trial. Um, going back to uh, another question we have is um, how to uh, treat pets, uh, and, and I, I'm reading between the lines in this question, uh, and uh, so, but, but, well, maybe I'm going to broaden the question, uh, in particular, some people are in many ways like children in their minds. Um, so, how do you dwell on your your life? Okay, Don, I'm going to guess what you just said. I'm so sorry. I know you're um, in Mexico with those sweet babies. Um, I think you're asking me about pets and um, how you handle that when people think they're like their babies. Is that what you asked me? Okay, I'm going to go with that. Um, well, obviously you do not want to call them your fuzzy babies or anything like that in your profile um, if you want to include your pets. Um, I know we had two dogs when my husband and I met and we got married and God love them. I used to dress them up in Halloween costumes. Um, so, yes, I loved those dogs. But, um, you know, when it comes to your profile, you can totally be honest that you're a pet lover and 
share pictures of your pets and sh- be sure you show them with children that they can be gentle with children um, or get right up in somebody's face without biting their nose or scratching them or anything like that. Um, but you have to be careful of the verbiage there. You don't want um, uh expectant parent to look at that and be like, okay, surely you're not equating your Cocker Spaniel to the child I'm carrying. So um, there is a line there, but I think if you have pets, if you love pets, include them. I know some people dissuade it just in case there's those expectant parents who don't like pets. Um, We're human beings. We're all going to like and dislike certain things. There may be an expectant parent that had that kind of pet, that loved that kind of pet, that wanted that kind of pet. Um, You know, it's your life. It's about you. You cannot direct it um, towards any one person. Um, def- oh, definitely. Um, I I agree with that as well. Um, and also, in addition to that, um, if you would like to discuss your pets, um, you can just. I think an important aspect is to just also focus on how you see how you see your um, how excited your pets are as well about welcoming the child into your family, and just discuss the things that your your pet is looking forward to experiencing with your child from, you know, belly rubs to all kinds of warm, cuddly things that, you know, your pet is looking forward to experiencing um, with a new little friend. Um, in oh, that sure. Way. I totally agree. <laughs> so. if, if they love it when the neighbor's kids throw the tennis ball <laughs> in the backyard, include that. Put a little picture and they mm-hmm. can't wait for their um, playmate. Put how loyal they are, gentle, um, only if it's true. <laughs> I was going to ask about that. What if you do have a breed that has a bad, the breed has a bad reputation? I'm assuming mm-hmm. if you have an animal that you are actually concerned about safety issues, you would be finding another home for that pet so that you wouldn't be in danger of a child. But let's right. assume you've got a pit bull or a German shepherd or a mm-hmm. breed that has a bad reputation, but in fact, um, Let's hope you have already made the decision that you right. the knowledge that that yours is not. Uh, how how would you handle uh, and a key? How would you handle that? Uh, let's say a pit bull. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely something, and that's something that we um, always discuss with clients um, in our monthly sessions um, when they're incoming. Um, definitely, when if you have um, a larger breed dog or something of that nature that. Um, it's definitely important to um, show that pet with a child um, and just show how friendly they are um, with children. And even, and we also say even if your pet isn't a larger breed um, dog or anything, anytime you can add a child into the image and just show, okay, this is a cuddly doggy, you know, but especially so if you have a, a larger breed um dog definitely um, want to show them with a child because it's just it's showing how great they would be with a child and that they're safe, that they're just um, big teddy bears, and that you can't judge a book by its cover sometimes. <laughs> All right, good. I want to circle back, and uh, we we're running out of time here, and I want to circle back to what, uh, I guess it was Luella's question at the very beginning about work, what birth mothers are looking for. Now, that, of course, is, is you know, there are, for every single expectant woman, um, there there would be a separate answer because we are all unique human beings, and each woman, each mom is looking for a different thing. But uh, you guys have a lot of experience in this. Can you, is it possible to, if you could say two or three things that you think have some universal appeal that that uh, expected parents are looking for when they're making this, which is the the biggest decision they will ever make in their life. Madeline, do you want to start with that? Well, I think if you think about the things that you asked yourself when you decided if you were ready to become a parent, those are going to be the first questions an expectant parent is going to wonder about you. Um, is you, do you have a proper home for a child? Do you have a solid relationship? Do you, um, can you provide for a child? Those are, that's where it kind of starts. And then it's the details that blossom out from that, that make you you, that make you unique, that will actually help you to find the expectant mother that best connects with you. It's those details, the uniqueness, that will ultimately find the expectant mother. But you have to answer to the general questions that, of course, as a mother, they are going to want to know. Okay. 
All right. Aki, anything that you would see in your experience that you see that uh, expectant parents are specifically looking for? Um, I think definitely all of those things. Um, definitely that it, it could be the unique aspects of definitely, as Madeline said, like who you are as as people that will show how you will be as parents and just being honest. Um, and definitely showing um, potential birth parents that your home will be warm, will be inviting, and that a child will flourish and grow. And that um, th- I think that's mainly what would be important for birth parents. And, again, it can vary depending on what she's looking for, but that a child will be happy and that a child will flourish and develop um, in your home with you as parents to really show that to a potential birth parent. Excellent. All right. Thank you so much, Aki Parker and Madeline Melcher, for being our guest today on Creating a Family. Thank you, audience, for sticking with us through what has not been ideal technical circumstances. So <laughs> I appreciate your patience in that. Thank you so much for joining us today, and I will see you next week. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance, which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Old moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.